0: Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Casenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and we are so happy to have you with us. It's a huge, huge week in the AFC and few matchups are as big as the Cincinnati Bengals and Miami Dolphins. Can you believe it? Going into this season, so many people thought that both of these teams would be dumpster fires and yet... Somehow these teams are both starting off at 3-1. and one. The Bengals coming off a thrilling, thrilling win against the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. Uh, One-point win. We'll talk about that. We'll get your questions on the air a little bit later and uh, talk about some other things about the Bengals and their 3-1 and one start. I'm joined by my usual co-host, John Sheeran. John, how are you? Has your Has your heart rate slowed since... Since Sunday, I got to tell you that that game was one of the most frustrating yet fun games I've seen as you know, from a Bengals perspective in a while.
1: Yeah, um, it it was a unique experience watching it because not only do you not expect the Bengals to win a game kind of like that, you're also watching the Falcons who are used to losing a game like that. So it was like, which (laughs) team is going to blow it? And for once a falconing kind of benefited me personally. So that was fun to see.
0: Yeah, and it's it's really funny. We had uh, Gina Thomas on last week from SB Nation, and she uh, she talked about the twenty eight to three thing and her dating a Patriots fan and all of that, um, and and how she gets a lot of guff about that. Speaking of of the Patriots and the AFC East, we're gonna get to a lot of other topics that I mentioned earlier uh, a little bit later in the show, but. We are going to talk about the big matchup between the two and 3-1 teams, the Dolphins and the Bengals, in Cincinnati this Sunday. Brian Catanzaro with the Finnsider and their their podcast there. How are you, sir? Doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good. Yeah. Glad, glad, you're, glad you're with us. Before we kind of dive into the questions and the insight and all of that, tell our listeners how to, at least for this week, and maybe even the playoffs. Who knows? Maybe these teams will face each other in the playoffs. Tell our listeners how to how they can get in touch with you and your content, uh, the fin sider, all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, right. So we our podcast is on the fin side, and we focus year-round on Dolphins previews, dolphins grades after we're doing a lot of the things you guys are doing for the Bengals. You can find us on Twitter, uh, on the fin side, O-N-T-H-E-F-I-N-S-I-D-E. And you can follow me personally, Cat 13 And you can also find my co-host, uh, Paul Pickin as well on Twitter.
0: Awesome. Well, th- thanks again for having, uh, having made the time to be on the show. And for those who do not know, our colleague Rebecca Toback was just on their podcast. So definitely check out their podcast, Rebecca's appearance, on that this week. Um, I'm just going to start off. I, I usually just... Start off, I guess, with the obvious stuff, Brian, and I'm going to start off with the quarterback. And few quarterbacks, few starting quarterbacks in the NFL, for differing reasons, have had as much criticism come their way than Andy Dalton and Ryan Tannehill. Um, Ryan Tannehill, by at least an outsider perspective like myself, uh, has played well, and I saw a statistic recently that he's 10-1 in his last 11 starts, but... He's been injured. He's been in and out of the lineup. Who knows when those 11, I mean, have those 11 starts really come in the last 11 straight games? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know. Your take on Ryan Tannehill and how he's been playing this year.
2: Well, Tannehill dating back to 2016, kind of like you said, has been 10 and two in the last 12 straight games. Obviously 10 and one before they got right. out by the Patriots last week. And, he and Dalton have been in kind of similar situations where you kind of think maybe there's something better out there at certain points. Maybe there's a quarterback that can take them to the promised land. Maybe they're not on the roster, but I think Dalton's done a lot better over the last several years than Tannehill. You know, Ryan Tannehill has never played in a playoff game. They were on the way there in 2016 with Tannehill, but. Then he tore his ACL in 2016, tore his ACL in 2017 again. And this year in the first three games of the year, Tannehill had a quarterback rating of 121.6 on a 3-0 team. This past week against the Patriots, it was a complete team loss, but specifically Tannehill looked terrible. I mean, he, he has the ability now to adjust an audible like he didn't have a few years ago. And the Patriots were showing six and seven defensive back looks the entire time. And he was sticking with plays that were not working. Uh, you know, when he should have audibled into a run, he didn't and it was not a good situation. Tannehill was 11 for 20 for a hundred yards and was benched for Brock Osweiler at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Mm. So a bad outing there, but overall we're pleased with Tannehill and where he is, where he is right now. But the reality is, the Dolphins started the season three and zero. If they fishtail down to seven or eight wins, then the season, the Dolphins probably will be looking for a new quarterback at the end of the year.
0: Love the love the pun there, fishtail. Uh, good stuff. That's the way that's the way we do it on this show. Uh, just a follow quick follow up question on the loss to the Patriots. Obviously started three and zero. You lose to the Patriots. You mentioned it was just kind of a mess of an afternoon for the Dolphins a little bit. New England started one and two. Now, was this was this more of, hey, it's the Patriots. They had their backs against the wall. It's Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and it was just their week? Or was it more like, oh, they exposed some things of the Dolphins, a little bit of both? What's your take? The Dolphins
2: better not be as bad as they showed last week because it was 38 to nothing at the beginning of the fourth quarter and if the Patriots had kept their foot on the gas it could have been 52 to nothing. I mean, just a complete team loss and the maddening thing is the Dolphins had the opportunity to put the Patriots at one and three and that it would have been the first time they were two games under 500 since 2001. You know, so they had that chance. Now the Patriots are two and two. Julian Edelman comes back. Josh Gordon gets traded for it. And he gets more acclimated into the system. I'm actually looking up here, and uh, the Patriots are already up 7 to nothing on the Colts in the first couple minutes. So it, it was a big wasted opportunity, but the more disheartening thing was the Dolphins didn't even show up on that day. So the hope, from my perspective, is they show up angry, and they take advantage of some matchups against the Bengals, and they squeak out a close win.
1: Yeah, so about that game against the Bengals, so far through four weeks, they haven't been without their best linebacker and one of their best run defenders, is Perfect. He's coming back, um, specifically focusing with the running game. Um, A lot of people had high expectations for Kenyon Drake, your third year back out of Alabama, and how he was kind of going to overtake, maybe not completely, but take over maybe the lion's share over uh, the veteran in Frank Gore, and now – um, can, uh, Drake has been really splitting snaps and carries with Gore and hasn't had much success. What are your thoughts on, uh, Drake's lack of progression? Is it just more of the injury to Josh Sidden that has decreased the offensive line blocking up, up front, or is it maybe just more something to do specifically with Drake?
2: You know, I think it's a lot of things. The offensive line is one, the play calling and the play design has been atrocious and Kenyon Drake has gotten eight carries for six yards in the last two games. There's no excuse for any of that. <laughs> and it's a shame because when you look at the last nine games of last year after the Dolphins traded Jaye, Drake had 851 total yards in those nine games, was one of the most productive backs in the league. So Drake is still young. Maybe he wasn't ready for the spotlight like we thought he was because Frank Gore last couple of weeks has been getting more carries and Gase singled out Gore as the only one in that game that really played well. So in this matchup here, you're probably going to see 50-50 there as the Dolphins continue to try to get Drake more and more involved in the offense. But it's been by far the biggest disappointment of the year for the Dolphins
0: talking with Brian Cantanaro of the Finsider and their podcast over there within the SB Nation network. Um Brian, you know, it, it's a good segue from what John said, what you're talking about at the running back position. Really over the last year, year and a half, you had a gone. Jarvis Landry leaves uh Miami. Um you know, I I I and Sue that that didn't work out there. He ended up leaving the team as well. Yet this team is three and one and, and you look within the division, the Buffalo bills kind of had a fire sale of their own this last off season, and it's completely gone the other way for them. So what's kind of the difference between the bills and the dolphins and, and this, this player attrition, if you will. Um, and they're starting out three and one in
2: the first quarter of the season. I think the first thing is the dolphins have a significantly more talented roster than the bills. And, you know, that's not saying much. I mean, the Bills, I don't think, are a very good team at all. And they've got Josh Allen, a quarterback, who they're continuing to try to improve. But, you know, and Dominican Sue was a big loss of defensive tackle. He was a dominant player. Did he live up to the contract over the last few years? No. But the Dolphins felt that a defensive tackle with Akeem Spence and Davin Gottschall and Vincent Taylor and up till a few days ago Jordan Phillips, that they had a good rotation to supplant Sue And in the first three games, that looked like a good idea. Then they got gashed for 170 yards last game against the Patriots uh, run offense. Offensively, Mike Pouncey, I didn't view as a loss at all. I thought he was an overrated player for several years. What a lot of people don't know is even though he played 16 games last year, he barely practiced, which interrupted a lot of continuity in the middle of the line. Uh, Wide receiver, look, You won't meet a Dolphins fan that didn't love Jarvis Landry, um, except maybe toward the end. But the reality is Landry was a well that the Dolphins continued and continued to go back to. And they were running this offense where it was seven, eight, nine yards per catch each time. And that was limiting the amount of points they were putting on the board. So that's not Landry's fault. But it was just something they kept going back to and it wasn't working overall for the offense even though he was a great player with them. So they got Danny Amendola, they got Albert Wilson. They're able to spread the field out a little bit more. So that benefited the Dolphins in the first 3 games, but obviously the passing game did sputter last week against New England.
1: So we talked about, you know, all those players, all those big name players really, you know, departing from the organization. Now just the, just the casual NFL fan may not know most of the Dolphins' roster, but there's clearly some young talent on there because, as you said, anybody with two eyes can see that they're more talented than the Bills at this point. So who are maybe a couple names that Bengals fans should um, be you know, introduced to before this game happens so they're not surprised when they, when they play well against them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of even knowledgeable NFL fans don't know a lot of the Dolphins' roster. I mean, they, they don't have a lot of big names out there. Their number one receiver is Kenny Stills, obviously. and But the rest of it, you can rotate in and out every week. Devontae Parker's been a huge disappointment, but does have talent. But the big name that a lot of people haven't heard of, uh, unless you catch SportsCenter occasionally, is Jakeem Grant. And he is a, a player that came out of Texas Tech a few years ago, runs a 4-2. And you look at the last about six or seven games dating back to last year, Against Kansas City late in the year, he had a 100-yard game. He had a, a huge game on Monday Night Football against Malcolm Butler. And then this year against the Raiders, that brought the Dolphins to 3-0. He catches two touchdown passes at the end. The most frustrating thing for Dolphins fans is he's not on the field more. I think that it's not in a huge exaggeration that this guy could be a Tyreek Hill type if they give him more opportunities for that. So, Somebody that can break the game open in a second would be Jakeem Grant. He's the one Bengals fans should probably keep an eye on, number 19.
0: Talking to Brian Catanzaro of the Sider and uh, the uh, – is it up up the what, what
2: What's the, the name of the podcast again, yeah, Brian? With, with the Fin in there, that's a lot of confusion with the names. It's on the Sider. <laughs> on the Finnsider. Yeah, on Sorry, the Finnsider. No, no. Yeah. We get that a lot. Of, there's actually a Sider podcast too, so – Oh, okay. So that leads to a lot more confusion, too. So. Okay.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I wanted to bring this up, and, you know, before we get your prediction and some other things about Sunday, the Bengals, believe it or not, have kind of, in the Marvin Lewis era, they've kind of had a little bit of trouble with the Miami Dolphins. They're three and three. Um, the the worst stretch being from 2010 through 2013 where they lost three in a row. They did win a couple of years ago on Thursday night football. Um, is that anything that, you know, we should kind of take stock in? Uh, you know, sometimes teams just have mat- their matchup numbers, I guess, against another team. I mean, uh, is this a team you think that can give the Bengals fits based on the Bengals defense giving up 28 points a game? The offense having to rally late sometimes to get these wins. I mean, uh, kind of. How, how do you kind of see this one playing out?
2: You know, it, looking historically, yeah, they had a lot. Dolphins had a lot of success, you know, in 2010 to 2013. But in the Adam Gase era, their Dolphins are 0-1 against the Bengals. And I've always referred to that Thursday night game, I think it was 22-7, as one of the worst performances the Dolphins have had in the Adam Gase era. I mean, that was – 22-7, to seven, but I think the Bengals kicked, like, 19 field goals that game. <laughs> mm-hmm. They kept driving down the field. It was, it was more convincing than that. I mean, the Dolphins could not move the ball against the Bengals a couple years ago. Obviously, the teams have changed a lot. You know, kind of looking at the matchups, I think from what I saw on tape with the Bengals is offensively, it, obviously, you lost Tyler Eifert for the year. That's going to hurt a little bit. And your two big receivers are number one, A.J. Green, number two, Tyler Boyd. The Dolphins personnel-wise match up well with that if they can have Xavier and Howard one-on-one against A.J. Green Mm -hmm. and Minka Fitzpatrick in the slot against Tyler Boyd. I think that they could have some good matchups there. I'm not saying the Dolphins would win those matchups, but I think it's our two best defensive backs against your two best receivers. And the Dolphins from that point can force – your other tight ends like C.J. Um, Amoa. I'm not sure if I'm saying that it's, right. Uzama, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, no. And, uh, <laughs> and John Mossa is iffy for the game. So, it, you know, their strategy should be to make everybody except A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd try to beat them. So, that could work out well. But I still look at the Bengals this year and 31 and a half points a game in their first four games. So they're moving the ball offensively and they've had a lot of really good weapons, too, and they get Joe Mixon back this week, I believe. So, yeah, I I think that it's a pretty good matchup, but I still give the advantage to the Bengals' offense because they've been so good here. Defensively, you know, the Bengals, as you know, have let up 67 points in the last two games. Uh, You know, Christian McCaffrey had that huge game run in the football, so it could be an opportunity for Kenyon Drake to get back on track. But you know it's kind of the opposite on the other side of the ball where the dolphins offense was so bad last week and the bengal's defense hasn't been too good the last two weeks you know what they need to do offensively is get kenyon drake involved early cuz if that happens it's going to open up the passing game a lot more but if kenyon drake goes in there and averages less than a yard a carry needless to say the dolphins are going to be very one dimensional too
0: yeah it may come down to which coordinator and which coaching staff uh, has made the proper adjustments from last, from last week or the last couple of weeks uh, based on some of those statistics you threw out there. Um, before we get you out of here, Brian, what is the, what is your prediction of this game as the two, three and one teams square off at Paul Brown stadium?
2: And I'm not just saying this cause it's a Bengals podcast. Uh, you know, <laughs> after we got off the phone with Rebecca yesterday, Uh, Paul and I did our own prediction show too. I had the dolphins going down 27 to 17, you know, the Bengals look like the team from a couple of years ago to me that are better along the offensive line. I mean, I know they probably haven't been great this year, but at least you don't have Jake Fisher and Cedric of Bowie anymore. So (laughs) Um, I think it's better. And they look more like that, you know, 10 to 12 win team. That's going to get into the playoffs as opposed to the 5-11 and 11 team we saw last year. So if the Dolphins can pull off an upset, it'd be huge because their next four games are winnable. But I see them struggling still here for another week.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell you this. Um, uh, I, I think, obviously, this game should – it does, and, and I guess mostly because it's on the home turf, should favor the Bengals. But given how they've won games this year – Given the amount of points that the Bengals defense has given up, I would expect this to still be a pretty close one, um, regardless, because that has been kind of the mo. Uh, They've watched, they've walked a fine line this so far this first month, but should be an entertaining game. Two good teams, and maybe not surprising from our perspectives, but uh, from the national perspective, maybe it's a little surprising that both these teams are three and one. Brian, enjoy the game on Sunday. Um, enjoy the game. I know I we're, we usually record on a Wednesday night. Thursday night's not our norm because we don't like to interfere with Thursday night football. But go watch your division rivals. Hopefully, lose and uh, you know have a good rest of the weekend. Thanks yeah, for joining actually, us. Sir.
2: I've got one more bone to pick with you guys here, okay, Bengals fans. I hope no Bengal former Bengals defensive coordinators ever are defensive coordinator again. <laughs> We've had three in a row. <laughs> Kevin Coyle, Vance Joseph. I don't know how Vance Joseph got a head coaching job. And now Matt Burke. I mean, this idea of that's just right. Let receiver, oh. just let the receiver catch the pass and uh, hopefully drops it. Um, that's basically the philosophy of their defense. So hopefully we get a defensive coordinator in here in the future that believes in completing less than 70% of their passes. But um, – <laughs> so, yeah, it's I mean, Matt Burke's better than Kevin Coyle was, but uh, man, oh, man.
0: Yeah, I, I I appreciate you bringing that up because that was just a, a, a brain fart on my end. I totally forgot until you started saying, I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. All these guys have coached there. I totally forgot. It,
2: it, at least Burke is raw and he has the potential and he's got some personality. So he's the most promising of the three that we've had. But overall, it hasn't been good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess there's this weird
0: love triangle between the Bengals, the bills the dolphins the I mean I players and coaches and all this stuff over the past couple of yeah. years it's been a big thing but yeah, it's uh,
2: been a hate triangle for me <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on uh, you, you guys enjoy the game on Sunday and yeah let's have a good game and yeah if, if ever I can be on again and be helpful uh, give me a call okay yeah
0: would, would love that thanks Brian appreciate you coming on
2: thanks a lot man
0: that was Brian cantanzaro with uh, the Finn cider and up the fin up the finsider? I I I gosh,
1: I, I it, yeah, it, was like, it was up the was finsider. Up, up the finsider. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um there's a preposition there that I, I keep on. I, I want to say that on the finsider, up the finsider, but check out his stuff. Brought some great knowledge, and we are very stoked that he was able to join us. That was awesome. And um gosh, he almost knew more about the Bengals than, than we
1: did. That was <laughs> That was definitely uh, knew more of the Bengals than we knew about the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, like uh, yeah. There you go. That's fair. That's fair. So uh, yeah, check out also their podcast. Um, Like I said, SB Nation and Cincy Jungle's Rebecca Toback was just on their podcast, um, so check that out. I'm sure that was an entertaining interview. haven't had a chance to listen to it yet myself, but uh, I'm sure given Brian's personality and Rebecca's personality, that was was a very, very good interview. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We are part of the SB Nation uh, family of football podcasts. You can get this program on Art19. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it on CincyJungle.com. You can get all of our stuff, like I said, videos and audio and stuff on CincyJungle.com. We're also on the Google Play Store, so check that out. And uh, we're also on Stitcher, so you can get – if you have those apps or if that's how you listen to podcasts, look for us. We are on there and get our program. John, we we started with Brian to talk about this coming week, but let's – Turn back the clock a little bit, and let's go to last week. A weekly um, tradition. And, that's right. Uh, that's you know, that's kind of how, we, how <laughs> we've we been doing it. Um, there is so much to digest in this game. I, I don't even really know where to begin. Um, like I said, it, it's. it wasn't even a tale of two halves, really. I mean, I guess it kind of was. There was a lot of points in the first half, not as many in the second, but still a lot of back and forth. Um, gosh. I guess we'll start with offense, the Bengals' offense. Uh, Number one, the receiving trio. And and I want to, I guess, especially highlight, yes, A.J. Green, because he had the game-winning touchdown. And I think we know at this point who A.J. is. He's a clutch player. You know, he was kind of quiet throughout some of the game and then came up big towards the end. But Tyler Boyd. 11 catches, hundred yards. I had counted on that last drive, four catches of his 11 on the day on that last drive alone, all for four first downs and two were on third down and two were on fourth down. If you can catch up with that, basically mm-hmm. four first down catches and they were either on third down or fourth down on that final drive alone. And then there's John Ross, the guy who was raked over the coals for an entire week, heard his name, you know, whatever yes he of course pulled his ham or his groin during plays but great touchdown reception where it showed the speed and what he can do great reception on the sideline with the toe tap i kind of want to highlight those guys first because i thought it was a great outing by those guys especially with eifert now in the lineup all that kind of stuff uh your thoughts on those three and the growth of the group as we now head into the second month of the season
1: it was like I went back in time to like 2005 or six, and I watched the Bengals offense with Hushman Zada and Chris Henry again. It was it was very um, reminiscent of those two and how they excelled and where they excel in the offense and in the structure because you have Boyd, who we've always known as just a great route runner, you know, reliable hands, but never quite all pulled it all together until these last three or four games in the stretch and. He had a tough matchup with a very good cornerback in Desmond Trufant, who's playing him in the slot constantly.
0: Yeah, so the Bengals win a uh, win a very close one against the Falcons, as as we said. And um, really, I mean that the wide receivers showed a big, especially Tyler Boyd and John Ross showed a, showed a big jump in production and maturity and all of that. John Ross, I was very impressed with, and not just because of the plays he made um, using his speed on the touchdown and all that, but really just kind of bouncing back from um, bouncing back from a really rough week and a rough outing against Carolina. A lot of people were trade him and uh, get rid of him and see, you know, Um, I. You know, you got to respect the guy for coming back, bouncing back. And, yeah, he only had the two catches, but uh, there were two very big catches and, um, you know, ones that had had big impacts on the game. Uh, You look at Tyler Boyd, I mentioned the 11 catches for 100 yards. um, No touchdowns, but just chain move after chain move after chain move. uh, Just first downs galore. Um, really nice outlet for Andy Dalton. And I almost see him as kind of funny seeing Muhammad Sanu on the other side of the field, making, making plays. He had quite a few big plays against the Bengals. Um, I almost see Boyd as a Muhammad Sanu in a Marvin Jones body. If that makes sense. I see him as, um, you know, a guy who has a little bit more more speed and shiftiness and wiggle to him because he's a little leaner than Mohamed Sanu, but he's got the hands and route running skills and ability to move the chains like Sanu did and does – did for the Bengals and does for the Falcons. Um, I was very pleased with him. And then you've got A.J. Green who, you know, made a couple plays here and there, kind of disappeared out of the game for a little bit. Um, and then, you know – when it he had a, what would have been a go-ahead touchdown, but it got negated by um, it got negated by a kind of a pretty pretty weak hands to the face penalty to Bob uh, Bobby Hart. So that you know the Bengals had to settle for a field goal there, and then you know when it mattered most, you just kind of fit. You had a feeling on that last drive, and initially it was like, oh, boy, because they the Bengals on that last drive got put into, you know, bad situation, big hole after big hole after big hole in terms of penalties, and Dalton was getting pressured, and, you know, there was that situation where it looked like it was maybe a fumble, and the game was over, but his arm was going forward, you know, you kind of just started to feel like, hey, maybe maybe they are able to do this. maybe maybe they can claw back and and get into this. It was a very improbable situation, um, one that, you know, uh, you don't envy, you don't envy the offense to be in that position, but uh, that that's where they were they, they had their backs pinned against the wall. They came through. And they, you know, it last I think it was what six seconds, seconds, seven seconds left on the clock when when Dalton threw that throw. I want to say this: if you have the other angle of that play, meaning the end zone out angle of the AJ Green catch at the end of end of the game, if you have not seen that, I would recommend you do so because for me, that really shows not only the speed of the game not only shows the the reaction and the skill set of these pro players just I mean you see it above and it it seems to develop slower when you see the kind of the more bird's eye view but when you see it that way it's very interesting and then you also see really the window that Dalton fit that football in to get it to, to AJ Green it looked like you know oh you know he was open by a couple of steps and all of that, but the, the corner that kind of jumped the route underneath and extended his hands, really it looked like a very, very close play and much closer than I would have expected um, seeing it on actual television. So um, I think – I think this was kind of a signature win for the Bengals. I think that uh, this was this was a win. You know, we we talked about this on this on this podcast in the past couple of weeks. Weeks, if the Bengals can get into or get out of this first month, I guess I should say, with a three and one record, and granted. Two of those were out, out of conference wins, but if they, if they, uh, excuse me, one was out of conference win, two were out of conference games, only one was a divisional game, but still, if you could get out of that first month at three and one, where you've got a winnable game coming up, not saying that the Dolphins are doormats, cause that's not the case. If you can get there at three and one, you have a winnable game against the Dolphins. You have a winnable game against the Steelers who have not looked themselves of late, coming up and then all of a sudden you can kind of start riding this momentum a little bit. Um, I, I think that it's a, it's a good start to the season for the Bengals. I think it's a lot better than two and two, even if the Bengals had just barely lost uh, the, in the in a similar fashion that the Falcons lost, you know, even if it was that kind of situation, uh, I think you'd still be feeling pretty good about the Bengals, their three and one start, and what uh, what happened with that. Um, uh, the one thing I want to say, uh, Cincinnati's, you know, we can talk about the receivers, um, all that kind of stuff. We can talk about some some line play, which we will do in in, in a minute. And I hope that uh, John Sheeran rejoins us here in a sec. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton. We can sit here and say Andy Dalton is, you know, we've he's been raked over the coals over the past, really his entire career, not winning big games, all that kind of stuff. We thought we saw a little bit of a different Andy Dalton in 2015, but, you know, I think that when the team started, what, 8 0 or 6 0, what have you, they had a primetime game and Andy Dalton did not play well. Then. You know, you had those murmurs again, and then the Bengals kind of caught some momentum. Then he got hurt, wasn't able to finish out the season from there. Uh, and from from there, um, you know, the Bengals stuck with him, for better or for worse. Rode out two kind of subpar seasons. And a lot of people were clamoring for some quarterbacks in this year's draft. Well, what's happened since at least in the first month of this season, Dalton has been uh throwing multiple touchdowns every game. He has two three hundred yard passing games. The Bengals are three and one, and he's got essentially two come behind wins. one really is on his shoulder in the in the Atlanta game the the Indianapolis game the defense came up and and uh you know. It kind of came through at the end there. but I mean, still, this guy uh, he, he gets he gets it done and he's been getting it done. and it, there just seems to be a more comfortability in the in his in this offense. um, I think part of that has to do with you know that he has now unfortunately only two, but he had three very able tight ends. Um he had two very capable running backs in Mixon and Mixon and Geo. Now Walton showed some some nice things as well uh this past Sunday. But and then he's got the trio of wide receivers as well. Um so obviously that makes him comfortable. A little bit of improvement on the offensive line from the previous years, and all of a sudden, you know, he kind of looks like a different guy. So I think you gotta give Dalton where credit is due. And I think uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain that success throughout the rest of the year. Um, but I think that it, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a step in the right direction. He's playing some of the best football we've seen, especially since 2015. And that's a big reason why the Bengals are 3-1. and one. There's a lot to take away from this Bengals win over the Falcons. And there's a lot to, lot to be positive about as, uh, as things are going going forward here, I, I, I think some of the bigger takes takeaways of this game, aside from the fact that this offense can score frequently. they can keep this team in every game just about that they play. I think it is I think it's imperative to kind of look at it and say you know the resiliency factor of this team the fact that they can come back in a lot of different adverse type of games adverse situations come back and can grab a win And I think Indianapolis showed that I think Atlanta showed that obviously they got off to the hot start against Baltimore, which is a big, you know, which was a big uh, relief. Um, You know, I, I think that there is, there are some concerns on the horizon as well. And I think that unfortunately those concerns are viable concerns and it's really concerns about the sustainability of the Cincinnati Bengals in 2018 and their ability to win. I think that, uh, you know, you got to look at, we mentioned this when Brian was on the show earlier, you got to look at when the Bengals defense is giving up 28 points a game uh, on average so far this year. The first week they grabbed two turnovers. Second week, I think they had three. the week week three against the panthers no turnovers forced and they threw four interceptions and then this week they're they're minus in the turnover ratio again it's just uh, that worries me about the sustainability the long-term sustainability of the Bengals, how they can win what they can do and and if they can push to the playoffs it's, i mean i guess when you look at that you kind of say well You know they're getting some of this done by not having Billy Price in the lineup, Joe Mixon in the lineup. Tyler Eifert is now going to be gone. Um, Vontez Perfect missed the first month, so I mean, there's a Michael Johnson missed some time, Preston Brown missed some time. I mean, these are starters; these are big, big-time players that help you out. But uh, I just that, thats not a sustainable way to get to the playoffs to win in the playoffs to give up 28 plus points a game to you know yeah you you will need to show that resiliency factor you will need to win these games that are close games and come from behind contests and all of that um you know that that's you're going to need to do that especially when it comes into january and february just that's that's part of football that's going to happen but week to week I don't think that's a sustainable thing. Now, I'm not saying the Bengals need to blow out everybody they play, but I just I, I worry about the points per game. I worry about the yards given up per game. I, I, I worry about the disparity in turnovers the past couple of weeks. Now things could change, and uh, you know, Terrell Austin could turn things around. But as exciting as the skill positions are on offense, I worry about the sustainability to win with the defense in. Uh, you know, going forward here, I also worry about, once again, the offensive line. I worry about if Cincinnati's offensive line can continue what it did in the first two weeks and not I, – I, I there's a – I don't know if there's a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on. First two weeks, they were pretty good. They were okay. Yes, Alex Redmond, Bobby Hart had, had their issues. Cordy Glenn was very good the first two weeks. Billy Price was pretty good um, until he left the Ravens game with an injury. Trey Hopkins is filled in admirably at center, but Redmond and Hart continue to be issues. Now Glenn is having uh, some issues on the left side over the past couple of weeks. So I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's going on there, and uh, I, I hope that it improves. I'm very curious to see. It sounds like Billy Price won't be back until maybe, you know, close to midway in the season, week seven, maybe. It sounds like. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you know. You you keep Price in there. You keep Hopkins in there. All of that. It just kind of depends on on things, but. As good as we feel about this win with the Cincinnati Bengals, my point is is there, there are a lot of question marks with this team. There are a lot of issues still at the surface of this team. And um, while a lot of people are saying, yeah, jump on the Bengals bandwagon, all of that, I, ju- I just don't know that they've shown either their true potential or maybe they have shown who they really are, which is score a lot of points, give up a lot of points. My thing, you look back to 2005 when the when the Bengals' offense was putting up a ton of points and all of that, but the big reason why they were doing that is because the defense was turning it over so many times and putting them in short fields where, the, where all these great skill position players and that great offensive line could take advantage. Um, early in the year, the, the Bengals offense and Andy Dalton kind of did that. And obviously the defense scored that touchdown on a fumble recovery week one, but you know, I, they're not turning it over as frequently now. And I don't, it, luckily the offense has been pulling their weight, but I, I, I don't know. What do you think Bengals fans? Uh, you can let us know in the live YouTube chat. Um, you can call or text we've already got a couple of text messages which i appreciate we'll get to that in just a second uh, you can call or text 949-542-6241 949-542-6241 call or text um, i'm seeing and or you can leave them in the live youtube chat if you're joining us live uh, i see a couple of questions uh, this is kind of a listener question but it's basically the big debate and it's a nice segue from what I was saying about the defense. Um, And it's about Vontez Perfect. And uh, you know what? Before we get to Vontez Perfect, we're getting a call on our our OBI line, so let's get to that. Hi, it's the Orange and Black Insider. Who's this? Hey, John. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. You said uh, go ahead and call in, so I uh, went ahead and grabbed the phone. Yeah, you're talking about Burpick just now. It's a good thing that he's coming back, but I've noticed that some people in the chat are a little concerned because, yeah, officials are really uh, really cracking down on players, on physical players, to say the least. and. That could be an issue with uh, Perfect. But uh, I'd still much rather have him back than not having, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's – I'm glad, um, even though I was kind of starting to talk about it, I'm glad you called in and are talking about Vontez Perfect because um, that's that's where I was going. Like you said, a lot of people in the live YouTube chat are talking about Vontez Perfect and, you know, Uh, can he turn things around for the Cincinnati Bengals defense? Like I said, I I'm worried John a little bit about the sustainability of the Bengals path of winning. And what I mean by that is the 28 points given up per game, the lack of a turnover forced the last two weeks. And, you know, these are things that the big plays, the turnovers, these are things that Terrell Austin has preached to this defense and, it worked the first couple of weeks, but it has not been working since. And against two of the better quarterbacks in the league, in Cam Newton, and and Matt Ryan, I I gotta say this, and I don't want to. I know, I know you're a uh, you're a big uh, critic of Drake or Patrick there are a couple, there are, have been a handful of instances where Drake or Patrick could have nabbed an interception. Other guys too, Jesse Bates had his hands on a couple. Um, so I mean, they've had some opportunities that they have not capitalized on, but you know, it's, it's the past rush has been feast or famine a little bit. Um, as have the turnover. So I'm just a little worried about that. Now I think perfect is a spark plug. I think he's a guy that can help things, but I don't think he's an absolute cure all to, to every single issue. The Bengals, you know, consistently stopping the run, getting off the field on third down. That was another issue. I haven't even brought up yet. The Bengals defense is basically the worst in the league in getting off of the field on third down. Um, I think they were around 40 plus percent going into last week and they let up like 70 something percent. So You know, about Perfect, I'm glad he's coming back. I think he's going to make a difference. How big of one, I'm not sure. How about you, John? Yeah, I'm not sure either. I think it will definitely help against uh, the run. You know, we really struggled with Carolina running the ball. So I think Perfect helps there. However, against uh, your elite quarterbacks, uh, the pass, you know, there was uh, one pass this uh, past weekend against Drake or Patrick where Matt Ryan just totally faked him out. It was almost embarrassing and I think it went right for a touchdown. And if it didn't it went down to the one yard line and I just thought, my gosh, you know, that's that it's the typical it's just a typical Drake or Patrick defensive play here. Now, Drake does he he does frustrate receivers, but the problem is he gives up too many big plays and he just doesn't get turnovers like we wish that he could. And I'm concerned, you know, when we uh, when we face Kansas City in Kansas City, you know, Josh Mahone, if he's watching any film of the Bengals at all, he's bound to be noticed Kirkpatrick. And I would think Mahone would be very confident of the, in passing against him. What would you think? Yeah, I, you know, the other thing that we have to take into consideration is William Jackson has not played up to the level that um, – he was he was hyped up big time this offseason. He has not played up to the level that we thought. Um, especially last week, he and Kirkpatrick were both victimized and uh, just you know did not look the same. And I, I mentioned this in one of my columns at Cincy Jungle. It's not a good thing when your defensive coordinator is preaching turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. You have three first round corners as your three. Top corners on your team and none of them through the first month of the season have an interception notched under their belt. Um that right? the, what uh, you just said three first
2: corners, we played four games
0: and not one of them had an interception. Yep. And wow. you know, you can't you can't really win like that, and you can't I mean, luckily the Bengals have found ways to do that, but uh you, you normally can't win like that, and that's definitely not the the formula for success that the Bengals want on defense. Hopefully. Burfix return and, and others return. Um, will will make things better, but uh, we have to see John. I've got some other texts and calls to get to. I appreciate okay. you calling in, sir. And who oh, uh, day, day, day. Uh, hootay, buddy. That was John from Kentucky. Uh, regular caller there. If you want to join in either text or call nine, four, nine, five, four, two, six, two, four, one. Again, nine, four, nine, five, four, two, six, two, four, one. You can call or text. We've got a couple of texts uh, coming in here. Um, One is for, Uh, you know, what? we've got another call coming in, believe it or not. So let's try and get to that. This is the Orange and Black Insider. Who's this? What's going on, Terrell? I was actually just going to read one of your your texts here. How are you doing, buddy? Everybody. Uh, I was just saying, like a quick uh, kind of comment, though. Uh, basically, uh, I was just to keep this on her, uh on her, uh sharp toes and everything. Um, you know, maybe I'm, being, like, I'm trying to come back. I just feel like just kind of funny that he's trying to come back and get warmed up for the bagel so he can try to get a big bag coming <laughs> next week, uh, next year, and um also that uh, the thing with attitude, was attitude is getting stronger and stronger by the week and um, I see no no uh, no worries for this week. Not at all. I really don't I'm not trying to be arrogant at all, I really don't feel no worries at all. And I just hope everyone anyway, have a good night and uh, thanks. All right, thanks Troll. Appreciate you calling in but I'll also get to your uh your text because I thought it was pretty interesting in just a second. Thanks for Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Um, As of this week, my thing is with this week against the Dolphins, kind of like what I said about the Carolina game, it wasn't so much that Carolina at every position had better players, had a better overall roster, better coach, whatever you want to call it. There's probably give and take to both, but – you got to think of matchup issues, and you got to think of think of Bengals roster versus Dolphins roster. Guys, I I thought Brian when he was on earlier, I thought he brought up a very very interesting situational matchup in terms of Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick on AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, and you know those are two good players. So it's going to be interesting to see how Andy Dalton, Bill Lazor, and company get those guys open and if they can make the big plays. Um, yes, A.J. Green has done some things against the AFC South and, and AFC East teams and all of that. Um, but if you look, you know, he's, he's had a spotty record sometimes against some of the top corners, but he's also made many top corners look silly. So I'm not so worried about A.J. Green and, and him at least making plays. I am a little worried about Andy Dalton, maybe force feeding him a little bit. Now that Tyler Eiford's out, um, maybe Tyler Boyd can't get the separation that's needed and, or the protection that's needed to get those drag routes and everything to Tyler Boyd that he's been excelling on so far. So those are some things I worry about. I, I just continue to worry about the Bengals defense. I continue to worry, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he is a pocket passer, but he's a guy who's got um, a, a very athletic background, I think, if I remember correctly. He was one of the guys that was like a wide receiver in college, and a, he played one year at quarterback and all that kind of stuff. And um, So he can move around a bit. Cincinnati has done pretty well against him. They won the last game, at least. Um, we'll see, but yeah, I think I – think this should be a game that the Bengals handle. Now, the other aspect to it is, you know, are they are they overlooking this game because the Steelers are, are right around the corner and that's where their focus may be? I don't think so. I think this team has shown some pretty good focus and has, uh, like I said, shown that resiliency factor that we haven't seen out of too many Bengals teams lately. So we'll see, but this should be a game and I think the Bengals win probably by a touchdown or so still pretty close, but um, maybe a bit more comfortable than the other. I uh, mean, well, maybe, maybe kind of like the Ravens game a little bit um, shoot out to a lead, maybe give it up a little bit. And then, you know, it's still pretty comfortable throughout, but uh, definitely, I think it's more comfortable than the other two games, but we'll see. We'll see, you know, that's why they play and, Miami, they got off to that three and zero start, and who knows? You know, maybe they're starting to play some teams that are better and some teams that are for real. We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, getting another call here, Jason. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. We're gonna win twenty eight
2: to fourteen.
0: Twenty eight to fourteen. Okay. Why? Why do? You, why do you say that? dolphins are too worried about jewelry right now. Like right now, it's like a night where they should be like paying attention to like you know, Facebook and whatnot. But the truth like going up to the clubs, so have a good time. Cincinnati is not doing that right now. They got no more Netflix reruns to watch. Time to play football. Well, I hope so. I mean, I you know that would be a pretty convincing win and a, a put put them at four and one and definitely in the driver's seat. I'm going to say this at the AFC North is both tighter and not as tight of a race than you think. And I say that because Cleveland should be a 3 and 1 team at this point. I mean, if you really look at officiating and some poor kicking and I mean they're they're a couple plays away from being 3 and 1. Pittsburgh would then have another loss and be further down in the in the cellar. And then you've got Baltimore who aside from really the buzz saw they hit in Cincinnati, they've been playing pretty well. Um, they beat Pittsburgh. That's a tough game regardless of if Pittsburgh is up or down. Uh, Pittsburgh would be up for that game in terms of emotion. So, you know, I think if the Bengals do get this win at 4-1, they're in, they're in really good position to, to go forward and, and move. And one if thing. we win this game, we have, we have the momentum to. Pittsburgh and our biggest challenge will be going into Kansas City. That quarterback, that kid's really, really good <laughs> so if, we, if we can get through Kansas City, it'd be just like it was what in two thousand and eight when we went in there and they were undefeated. It would be a big boom. Yeah. and I, if, can get the playoff. Yeah, and for those who do not know, if you did not watch Monday Night Football, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched the fourth quarter, which is basically what for the most part mattered in that game. And Patrick Mahomes was making plays that I I've seen maybe two other quarterbacks make uh, in terms of things he would now, again, we, we were talking about sustainability. We don't know how sustainable this, you know, he is, he hasn't even played a full season of NFL football yet. In fact, I think he's only started like five five games or something. So, obviously, very exciting player. Obviously, you know, teams are trying to figure him out. I'm worried. I wrote a post on Cincy Jungle this week that uh, I was worried about the. I was worried about the scrambling and/or quarterbacks that can make things happen in the pocket, outside of the pocket, they extend plays. Roethlisberger is one of them, even Case Keenum is one of them, Mahomes is one of them, Cam Newton showed that he can do some things still on this Bengals defense that that uh, worry me, so Mahomes is definitely one to worry about, um, I yeah. you know, I, I think... Like, a, he's like he's like an NFL listener. <laughs> one, like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, it reminds me of all the long on NFL Yeah. And uh, you're right, Ken. He's better at like, stretching out than anybody else. He's, he, just like, he's like, he's like Inspector Gadget. He can just get like that extra three yards. And it's, like, oh, it's my number. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is that Cincinnati has, um, gosh, I'm trying to do the math here. They have seven of their next 12 games at home i believe if i'm doing the math correctly so you know they started that that's why getting off to that three and one start in the, in the first month with those three road games uh was was so important i guess you can kind of say well how big of a road game is going in indianapolis i mean it's not travel wise far but you know noise and all that kind of stuff uh definitely a road game but uh good points jason thanks for calling in bud we're gonna we're gonna get you off the air but thanks for listening all right, thank you Thanks, buddy. That was uh, regular listener Jason as well. Uh, getting hearing from the regulars tonight. I love it. I love it. And uh, that's the way it should be with this show, especially with the Bengals going three and one. Um, I'm going to get out of here in just a second. There was this text. Uh, that we've got two texts. I'm going to try and get two here. One, I guess this is a good one to go with because we were just talking about what the Bengals can do and what the what the Bengals have done so far in the first month of the season. I mean, again, it's this is kind of a weekly question, but not really. Um, and I don't – unfortunately, I didn't get a name with who this was from, but uh, it's from area code 206. Uh, do you think the Bengals will be able to win the division? I think – Yes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to this, and this is this is really funny to me, and this this goes into exactly what the national media does and what they say, and certain people that are really big on the Bengals, certain people that are really down on the Bengals. There's a post on cincyjungle.com by Nick Manchester, one of the contributors there. And it's based on a column from Adam Schein, a guy from NFL Network and NFL.com. And Adam Schein has been incredibly, incredibly hard on the Bengals. Uh, never believes in them, all of that. And he says they are a top bandwagon to hop onto after a 3-1 start. Um, you look at... What he, basically the synopsis is the Bengals are are for real folks. The offense is sensational. The defensive line is stout. But what happened in Sunday tells you a lot about the fabric and character of this roster. After watching the classy and popular Tyler Eifert suffer a gruesome season-ending injury, the Bengals didn't roll over. They were on the road against Matt Ryan, who was having a fabulous day. Yet Cincinnati, fresh off a week three loss in Carolina, showed gumption. Gumption. Keep that one. That's gumption. Uh, and skill coming back to beat the Falcons in a 37, 36 thriller. Um, when Andy Dalton hit AJ green with a perfectly placed ball to score the winning touchdown with just six ticks left, something became clear. These are not your older brothers. Bengals. This is a different Cincy team one that can absolutely win the AFC North. Now, can they? Yes. And even Adam shine says they can. Yes. Um, he even gives that subtle jab of these aren't your older brothers, Bengals. That the ones that have fallen on, on their faces in postseason and all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, it's still it still has to be this, and and it, I, I don't want it to be this way. But it's still, I, I would think, for a lot of Bengals fans, it's still, yeah, you know what, this season's fun. They've shown us a lot. Primetime win already against a good divisional team in the Baltimore Ravens. This come from behind win on the road against an explosive offense in the Atlanta Falcons. Nice win initially to open the season against the Colts. You still. You, they still got to prove it. I, I mean, I, I don't know how, how. I don't want it to be that way. But, I mean, I still feel like they. They still got to prove it. Now, they've proven they can win the, win a division title. They've done that. And that's not what I mean by they need to prove it. I'm talking about, obviously, January, February. They just they need to prove that. And uh, they won't have any more primetime games, per se, unless they get flexed into one late in the season. Um, that Thursday night game was the only primetime game on the slate this year for them. So, you know, Their next big, big, big game, big stage uh, probably wouldn't be until they win the division. Obviously, you know, they've got Steelers games and Ravens games and all that coming up, but I think they can. I think they're definitely poised to, and I think right now they are playing probably the best football of anybody in the division. The Ravens are close, but the Bengals stomped the Ravens for most intents and purposes a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I, I think... Yeah, I think they can win the North. I don't know if it's going to be a runaway twelve-win type of thing, maybe ten wins or something like that. But um, hey, you know why not? But it's it's again more about after you get there, what do you do? And uh, I hate I don't want I hate saying that. I hate it. Trust me, I hate it. But that is that is what it is. And um, you know, so far this team has shown a different gene if you will to be able to do things in the postseason that other teams maybe didn't show as much but we'll see uh let's also get out of here um even though he called in earlier i wanted to get in he was it was his call was more of a comment this one is actually a question from terrell um he notes the different attitude um dalton's throwing on target um Basically, he wants to know, you know, talking a little bit about John Ross. um, (laughs) Does a tongue-in-cheek joke about, hey, do we want to trade him now that he actually showed some things this week? No, no. Keep him. Like I said last week, John Ross is a work in progress, and there's a lot of clay to mold there. And he showed quite a bit last week in just two catches. Um, Unfortunately, that groin pull, I guess he had against the Falcons on that touchdown catch is catching up with him this week. Maybe the Bengals are just resting him to get him out there, but you hate to see him go, you know, polarizing weeks, week three, terrible, you know, rake through the coals week four, very nice rebound, great game. And then week five, he doesn't play. (laughs) You'd be like, it's a little frustrating. So hopefully he's able to suit up if, if he's healthy and uh, go out there and and do some things. Otherwise, you know, the Bengals have Josh Malone. They've got Cody Core. They can do some other things. But I I think now that you have Eifert out of the lineup, you really want to have as many skill position guys healthy as possible going forward. Um, Can't afford to lose too many more of those now that Eifert's gone. And uh, I think the Bengals need to be healthy on all fronts, even though Ross is kind of their 3-4 wide receiver, if you will. Um, But... The Bengals appear to be getting healthier. The Bengals probably will be getting most, if not all of these, well, most of these guys back as the season progresses and wears on when they need them. So that's, that's a good thing. And hopefully the other tight ends step up uh, in replacement for Tyler Eifert. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Kazenza. My co-host, John Sheeran, joined us earlier. And we had Brian Catanzaro from the FinSider of the SB Nation Network to help us preview the Dolphins game coming up. To both teams are 3-1. And, one. and uh, Dolphins are getting a lot of love around the nation. But, uh, hey, they're 3-1. They're playing pretty decent football. So should be an interesting game this week. You can get this program on iTunes. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it on art 19. You can also get it on a variety of other platforms like Google play stitcher. I think I said iTunes. I did say iTunes. Um, and all of our stuff is on sinceyjunkle.com. So check that out. Apologize for an abrupt leaving from John and, uh, you getting basically me for most of the program. So hopefully you still enjoyed it regardless and, uh, enjoy your time Sunday Let's, let's hope the Bengals get into the Steelers at 4-1. Let's hope Vontaze Perfect's presence is felt in a big way right away. I remember a couple of years ago when he was on, I believe, was it the suspension or was it the when he was recovering from the knee issue against the Steelers? He came back and had a whale of a, a ball game and uh, really was the reason why the Bengals won. I think that was 2015 maybe. So, you know, he can come back. He can have an impact. We, we know this about him. So... Um, but let's just hope for a good game, a win, a fun game and, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend for John Sharon. I'm Anthony Gazenza. Thanks for listening to the orange and black insider Bengals podcast. Thanks for your calls and texts. We'll see you next time.
2: Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.
1: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier.